Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. season rolls on this week. The Big Ten hosting media days today and tomorrow at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Over the course of the next two days, we'll hear from all 14 head coaches as well as Commissioner Kevin Warren. Happy to have you with us. Wendy Nix, Tom Lukenville, Desmond Howard, Michigan, of course. We have a certain alum right here coming off a banner season, and that's where we start this afternoon. The maize and blue finally Got over the hump. No longer do we have to ask when. Again, crashing the party, winning their first outright Big Ten title since 2003. Next season, however, might be a different story. The question, how do you follow it up? Expectations have not been kind to Jim Harbaugh. He's not had a season where Michigan starts in the AP poll and finishes the season with a better ranking. The Wolverines defense also loses 70% of their production from last season including the second overall pick. It hasn't dimmed the emotion, though. Here's the head coach. It's been a tremendous offseason for the Michigan Wolverine football program. Our guys from uh, literally days after our final game last year uh, have been at work attacking everything they do. It's J.J. and his, his true freshman year, Caden his junior year, uh, both played outstanding winning football every time they went out there. You know, they ask sometimes, you know, at other positions, who's going to play? I mean, the best player is going to play. We're going to know who the best player is by who plays the best. Cade McNamara is going to be really tough to beat out uh, for the starting quarterback job. J.J. McCarthy is going to be really tough to beat out for the starting quarterback job. Joining us now, senior college football writer Pete Thamel at Big Ten Media Days. And, Pete, it's interesting because coming off a season – where they make the playoff. Jim Harbaugh gets some interest from NFL teams, flirts with the option, instead returns to Michigan and signs a new contract. How does that affect things? Has it left any lingering resentment at all? Wendy, Michigan had one of its best seasons in the last generation last season, but there is a lingering feeling that perhaps they didn't exploit that momentum. Uh, Jim Harbaugh had a very public and elongated uh, tryst, if you will, with, with the Vikings. There were two interviews. It's rare to see a major college coach chase a job. Certainly, jobs have chased coaches, but rarely do you see a, a coach at a place, place like Michigan go to an NFL franchise and interview for a job that he's not going to get. Uh, There were some staff fleeing, and the recruiting trail recently has not been kind to Michigan. Now, some of that is Harbaugh's stance on NIL. They are not forward or progressive in that area. And and some of it is the the program was a little bit deflated. Some of that momentum quickly eked out because of Harbaugh's flirtation. Pete, thank you. I know we'll be back with you on some other topics as well. I want to bring in, though, Lugs and Desmond Howard. And, Lugs, I will start with you. Uh, listen, how do you follow up a season like the one Michigan had last year? 
Well, I think you've got to show that you're capable of reloading. You know, they, it was such a huge weight off of their shoulders to be able to not only beat Ohio State, but play well in big marquee games, play well against top 10 ranked opponents. That was something that they had not been able to do under Jim Harbaugh. So now that they get that off their shoulders, now they're playing with confidence. They go into the season and go into every matchup, not wondering if they can, but knowing they can. So guys like Mike Morris, guys like uh, Upshaw, guys along that defensive front have got to show that there's not going to be a big drop-off with the loss of Aiden Hutchinson. I like him on the back end, and you could make an argument outside of Ohio State, they got the best blend of explosive playmakers and offensive skill of anybody in the Big Ten. I agree with Luz. I believe that because so, so many people are focusing on Ohio State and, um, you know, the playmakers that they have in Columbus that um, they're sleeping on the playmakers at Michigan. I think they probably I – w- I will go on a limb and say Michigan has the most um, – I think the, the deepest um, and probably most talented receiving room in the country. I mean, when you're talking about the quality of depth, we're not talking about just the, the top three. We're talking about probably one to – Eight, one, two, nine. Like they have a lot of talent in that receiving room. Obviously, they got two quarterbacks. We're going to talk about on the show too, trying to figure out who's going to start. Obviously, that's a big issue at the uh, Big Ten media days. People are asking Coach Harbaugh. But the big thing, Wendy, is that because of last season, now they can go out with confidence. They don't have the stress of seeing can we beat Ohio State? Can we play well in big games? Now they've they've. The um, college football world, but they've proven to themselves that they can go out and play at a high level against great competition. Well, they, they've proved it to themselves. They've also proved it to those of us asking the questions, because there's no doubt they got tired of hearing it, tired of answering the question, which you can understand. Now they know. And to your point, Des, we will talk about the quarterbacks a great deal more. Here's Jim Lada, though, who caught up with Michigan quarterback Cade McNamara season you guys put together last year exercising so many of those demons that haunted the program how does that motivate you going forward and how does it up the ante for this program well I think we set a new standard last season Um, you know this year we're out to prove that it wasn't a fluke um, that this is the Michigan that's here to stay and we felt like we laid a foundation with the culture the atmosphere you know that we want in order for us to win games Um, I've been confident Um, you know I'm aware and confident in what I bring to the team and I don't think there's any level of extra stress. I think it's my job as a quarterback not just to, you know, perform and do my job in the competition or when when I'm on field, but, you know, as, you know, one of the leaders of the team, I have to be, you know, I have to play that role as well. And I think I've done a good job of that so far. McNamara, who started every game at QB for the Wolverines last season, looking to build off a strong first year as the Wolverines starter. J.J. McCarthy, former four-star recruit, will compete for the starting job after a strong appearance against Georgia in the Orange Bowl, throwing for 131 yards and a touchdown against the eventual national champions. Uh, There's a competition of sorts, although you appear, Des, to have a leader in the clubhouse. Uh, Who starts at quarterback for Michigan? 
Well, Wendy, I believe when uh, the Wolverines take the field uh, for the 2022 season, the quarterback that will be under center or behind center will be Cade McNamara. I believe that he's earned the right to start this season. Um, J.J. McCarthy is hot on his heels. We understand what J.J. brings to the offense. But you're looking at a guy in Cade McNamara that just gave the Wolverines one of the best seasons we've seen in a long time. Um, spring ball, he played extremely well. And I alluded to the fact early he's going to have a tremendous amount of playmakers where there's you know the running backs the wide outs the tight ends so I believe that Cade will be the starter um, week one but J.J. McCarthy is going to get a lot of playing time this season you know I, I tell you Des we can debate whether you know a two quarterback system is healthy or the right way to go but Michigan's shown that they can do it and that they know how to manage it, and that both kids are capable of competing, understanding their role. I'll tell you one thing about a two-quarterback rotation. There's not going to be any complacency in that room. Kate McNamara knows he has to perform. J.J. McCarthy, if he wants to get more playing time, knows he has to perform. And let's not forget, when you go into each and every week, you have to defend a J.J. McCarthy portion of that offense that Cade McNamara does not bring. That takes time. That takes practice time. That takes scheme time. So they create some challenges for opposing defenses regardless of who the starter is. And maybe J.J. McCarthy is a little bit more dynamic. That's a good thing because then that change of pace offsets what Cade McNamara brings with that steady poise within the offense. And you're right, Des, great skill around the quarterbacks. And Des, to your point, I mean, uh, Luke's, to your point, you have to believe that having somebody right there, a dual system, is a complacency cure. You just don't right. have room for it uh, when you've got somebody right there that talented breathing down your neck. Let's talk defense for just a minute. Michigan's D needs to replace a few key players from last year's team. Aiden Hutchinson and Dax Hill, both first-round draft picks, making the fourth time in the common draft era that multiple defensive players from Michigan were drafted in round one. Luke, who will step up on defense for this Wolverines team? I think it's got to be Mazzy Smith in the inside and the interior of that defensive front four. He's got an opportunity, I think, to be a difference maker. I mentioned Taylor Upshaw, Mike Morris, Jalen Harrell, other guys that I think we're going to see may not be as big a drop-off as maybe some are expecting. I think Michigan's recruited well enough to have some guys step uh, right in. They get both corners back on the perimeter, so they're going to feel really good about the back end. And then R.J. Moten, I think, has to become a huge leader in the clubhouse defensively, not just in the back end from a safety spot, but for the, the entire defense. And then what I like about Jesse Minter, the new defensive coordinator, is it doesn't look like they're going to change scheme, doesn't look like they're going to change terminology, so it should be an ease of transition for the players in that defense. Yeah, Lou, this is going to be a very smooth transition because Jesse Mentor, who was the defensive coordinator at Vandy, before that, he was a secondary coach with the Baltimore Ravens. So he was on the same staff as Mike McDonald when Mike was with the Ravens. So it's going to be the same terminology, the same philosophy, the same scheme. So it's a smooth transition from that standpoint. Chris Jenkins in the middle is a guy to make sure you keep an eye on. I spoke to Coach Harbaugh today. He said he had a tremendous spring. He played at 265 a year ago. Now 
tonight. He's upwards to 290. And don't forget, Luke's Michigan's defense, they had like a heavy rotation. So even though guys weren't quote-unquote starters, they still got valuable reps last season. So they know what the expectations are. They're not new to the scheme. They're not new to this level of play. So they're going to have a bunch of guys. You talked about the corners. They got Green coming back. And they got um, DJ Turner coming back too. But keep an eye on the linebacker, Junior Colson. He was a guy who was a freshman last year, got a lot of time, started some games too. I like Junior Colson. So I think they got some guys who are ready to step up this year, Wendy. Well, both of you referenced new coordinators. So just to get everybody up to speed, because it's not one, two, but three new faces on this Michigan staff. Matt Weiss and Sharon Moore taking over as co-offensive coordinators under Harbaugh. This is after Josh Gaddis left for Miami to lead the Hurricanes offense under Mario Cristobal. Meanwhile, on defense, you've got Jesse Mentor. He will take the reins after Mike McDonald left to go back to the NFL to become the defensive coordinator for none other than Jim's brother, John. So you have to believe no hard feelings there. Listen, who, who's the biggest, uh, who has the biggest shoes to fill with regards to these coordinators, Luke's? I think Jesse Minter, just from a fresh face aspect, there's going to be new players in place. You're losing edge pass rushers that can make a difference for the defense. There's just not as many pieces of the puzzle. Doesn't mean they aren't good pieces, just not the same ones. Whereas on the offensive side, Des, I mean, it's all the pieces of, of the puzzle are in place and you're set at quarterback twofold, all of the skill. You know they're going to be able to run it. So I definitely think it's on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a really good question. I mean, there are two huge losses when you look at Gaddis on the offensive side, who they lost, and then McDonald defensively. But I would have to agree. I think defensively, because they lost so much talent on the defensive side of the ball, too, I think that's going to be the biggest challenge, the biggest shoes that are going to have to be filled is going to be by Jesse Mentor. But again, like I said, since the terminology is the same, it's very similar philosophy, they understand what the expectations are. But when you lose... Three, you know, or two first rounders, another guy who would have been a first rounder had he not have popped his Achilles in a, a Jabo, then that's a lot of talent that you have to replace, too. So I would say um, Jesse Minter has some pretty big shoes to fill defensively. I know what, fellas. So Michigan would much rather have us sit here and talk about the follow-up, the encore to a great season than can they win the big games in clutch situations. So they'll take this discussion, I would imagine, all day long. It'll be interesting to see what Michigan does as a follow-up to last year. we got much Big Ten territory to cover. He's been a clutch quarterback. Can he become a clutch coach? Scott Frost has yet to have a winning season at Nebraska. What are the reasonable expectations this time around? And with teams around college football shuffling a high-stakes game of musical chairs, we'll have the latest on what the Big Ten may look like when the music stops. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
USC and UCLA the end, or does the Big Ten plan to expand further? You can imagine one of the hot topics today as the Big Ten begins the first of two media days at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. On the docket, Iowa coming in, riding a six-game win streak against AP-ranked opponents. That was the case as they entered the Big Ten Championship, tied for the longest winning streak against AP-ranked teams in school history, only to come up short against Michigan. Here's head coach Kirk Ferentz on the quarterback. Well, we've got two quarterbacks that have won games for us and you know played well on the field, and we expect both of them anticipate they're both going to play better this year in uh, Spencer Petras and uh, Alex Padilla. And then the running back receiver room, uh, both uh, those groups are young. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of young players in both of those. Luke, how does Ferris fix this offense? Get better players and get a much better quarterback. I mean, the bottom line <laughs> Other than is. That, he's all good. This, this, this was not just one of the worst offenses in the Big Ten. It was one of the worst offenses um, in, in the country, and you're not just going to replace Tyler Linderbaum. He's just that much of a dominant player up front in their offensive line. Uh, you don't have Tyler Goodson in, in the backfield anymore, and the quarterback play is just flat-out subpar. And I think the biggest concern for me is who do they have when they break the huddle that scares anybody on defense? And it's hard to come up with a bunch of bona fide difference, maker, difference makers at the skill spot. And I don't know, Des, if for two years in a row – as an offense, you can count on a defense to create 30 turnovers and 25 interceptions yeah. to get you the ball back that many times. Yeah, I, I'm going to go on a limb and say you can't count on that again yeah. <laughs> in 2022. <laughs> I mean, that was outstanding by the Hawkeyes defense. But offensively, you know, you know the Hawkeyes' identity. You know, they want to, you know, ball control offense, stay ahead of the chains. They were like third worst and third down percentage last, last year, 34%. They can't operate like that. And they were also third worst in, 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 in yards per play at 4.7 yards per play. So they're going to have to find some explosives somewhere, but they can't completely get away from their identity because they're not going to change their philosophy offensively. They're going to have to find some more dynamic, explosive players either on the perimeter or in the backfield. Expecting that many turnovers, guys, is playing with fire. You know what happens if you do that too often. Uh, you come up burned. Meanwhile, Minnesota coming off a 9-4 and four season. They'll be looking to add to that win total. Here's their head coach, P.J. Fleck. When your best players are your hardest workers, uh, I think you have something really special. And we're talking about year six. We have a lot of guys who chose to come back uh, for that six year. You talk about Mohamed Ibrahim. I mean, here's a guy who could have went to the National Football League after tearing his Achilles. I mean, he had close to 170 yards in the first half uh, against Ohio State. Uh, and he was primed for a huge season. Uh, decided to come back not only for himself, but for his teammates. He's at full strength. Uh, he's ready to roll. And we're excited about having him uh, have a really, really uh, positive 2022. Well, according to ESPN FPI, Ohio State, the overwhelming favorite to win the Big Ten East with an 80% chance. The race in the West, though, wide open. You can see Minnesota there at 14%. Under the current division format, there is yet to be a team from the West to win the Big Ten. No time like the present, Alug. So uh, who, who wins the Big Ten West? I think it's Wisconsin, and I just think it's because of their style of play. They've got a freight train at tailback. 
that can absolutely speed up the clock, limit the opposition's possessions. They may not match up athletically as well with some of the other elite teams in the Big Ten, but it's their style of play that gives them a chance in every outing. They've got to be mistake-free at quarterback with, with Graham Mertz. I love the defensive front seven. I think that they are going to create a ton of havoc create turnovers, get more offensive possessions, and then just grind it out. So I go with Wisconsin in the West. Lose, you know, I was going to pick Wisconsin, too, until, you know, I started to look at their schedule. And, you know, they have some, some games on the road against some teams that could beat them up pretty bad. They got to go on the road against Ohio State, go on the road against Michigan State. They're not in their conference, but still, they can beat them up pretty pretty bad. And then they have to go on the road against Northwestern, Nebraska, and Iowa. So I'm going to go with Iowa. I'm going Hawkeyes. I think the Hawkeyes will figure it out. They're not going to repeat offensively what we saw a year ago. They're still going to be really good on defense because they're fundamentally sound. They're, they're great tacklers. They understand they need to keep everything in front of them, but offensively, they're going to figure it out, and I think they're going to win the Big Ten West. I'm going all Iowa Hawkeyes. Des, I love the preseason. Man, Iowa's terrible. Don't have a quarterback. Need better, but you know what? They might win the West. I like it. You know what? It, took him, it took him one segment. One segment, he completely changed his mind. I don't even know if it was a segment, but you know what? It's July. We will allow it, okay? You can you can change your mind tomorrow Thank if you, you want to, all right? So with, with that in mind... College Football Live. Let's talk about the state of affairs in Nebraska after a 3-9 and nine season. They've finished below 500 in five straight seasons and they'll have a new quarterback after Adrian Martinez transferred to Kansas State. All of this calling into question the future of head coach Scott Frost. Here is Frost on what's next. The only thing you really point to is just kind of a killer instinct and an ability to finish a game. Um, it was kind of a different thing every week. You know, it was a punt here and PATs and field goals here and uh, an interception here and, you know, tripping over our own feet there. And it, it just seemed like it was a different thing every week. Uh, otherwise, I think it's just a mentality. And, and we've been talking to our guys a lot about those things. When you feel like you're doing the right things, you're, if a, a complete change of course is the wrong way to go. For the most part, we've been doing it the right way. Uh, it just hasn't led to the results we want yet. Um, this year's going to be different. Pete Thamel is back with us from Big Ten Media Days. Pete, listen, what's the bottom line reality for Scott Frost in Nebraska? Wendy, I think you need to follow the money, like our old friends Woodward and Bernstein said. Scott Frost's contract has been restructured, <laughs> essentially making it easier to fire him. And uh, his buyout <laughs> drops to $7.5 million. Again, drops significantly from $15 million, and that comes on October 1st. And it is a prove-it-or-be-fired year. The contract essentially says as such, uh, this is the worst stretch of Nebraska football since the late 50s and early 60s. And... The question will be, what is good enough? Is six games good enough for a program that was a you know, national title contender within a generation? So Scott Frost is as clearly on the hot seat as any coach in the country, and there needs to be radical change in the results on the field for him to keep his job. Uh, Pete, I think the writing's on the wall. That seems apparent. And take a look at why. When you look at the past few years for the Cornhuskers, 
Since he took over as head coach, they have not performed up to standards. He led the UCF, uh, led UCF to back-to-back -back bowl games before this job, and he's looking to get the Cornhuskers to their first bowl game since 2016. Nebraska, the only Big Ten team without a bowl game appearance since Frost took over. And, Lubes, listen, I'm not going to ask if it's a make or break year. We clearly understand that. I guess the way I would phrase the question is what does it take to get Scott Frost where he needs to be to stay where he is? <laughs> Better players again. Um, listen, I, I got to be honest, and, and I felt for Scott Frost last year. Our crew had the Nebraska-Wisconsin game, and watching them on film, it was bewildering what took place with that football team. Every single way you could conceivably come up with to screw up a game, they found it. Now, with that being said, the question still remains, do they even have good enough players? Let's just say that things all go their way. Do they have good enough players to be better than seven and five? I think that's a legitimate question. And that would mean that they would over double their win total from a year ago and I think that's a fair question because right now they're going to have holes in the offensive line. Defensively, they don't have any edge pass rushers, although they did win in the transfer portal there along the defensive front. And the quarterback position is, again, going to be something that's going to be heavily scrutinized under Scott Frost. So still a lot of unanswered questions for me. Yeah, Lugs, I agree with you. And I think that uh, Scott Frost said it best. I mean, it's like if, if we – can't get out of our own way was a team that would be Nebraska. Like, it's yep. not like they weren't in games, especially late. And I spoke to, to many um, Cornhusker fans, and they were just so frustrated because the games would be close, but they would find a way to lose, doing things that just have you scratching your head. Like, how did he turn the ball over here? How did he miss this, you know, this tackle or something of that nature? So I think that they're really close. But there are things that you need to do as a player that's going to get you over the hump. I don't think it's really a coaching issue. As a player, you're accountable for what takes place on the field. And when you're talking about turnovers and missed assignments and things of that nature, late in games that determine the outcomes of, outcomes of games, then I believe you have to take it upon yourself as a player. So I believe that they're going to be better than seven and a half wins. I got them winning more than um, seven games, like maybe eight or nine games this season. But I think the players need to realize a lot of this falls upon their shoulders, not Coach Frost and his coaching staff. Des, I would agree. It's a player's responsibility. Sadly, you know how this works. It reflects on the head coach, and people start to yeah. say they're undisciplined or they're not buttoned up. They're not taking care of the little things, whether that's fair or not. And Luke's, in this particular case, you're also going to mm -hmm. see a new quarterback, a new offensive coordinator, a lot of changing parts on that offense. Will they be able to get it done? Well, Mark Whipple's going to come over from Pitt, and we are all aware of what he accomplished with that offense and Kenny Pickett and the Panthers and Jordan Addison a year ago. I think there are two things that stand out to me. Number one, uh, Casey Thompson comes over from Texas and played really, really good football throughout the year for the most part, except for when people pressured him with five or more rushers. He had one of the worst uh, protecting the football statistical uh, performances of the year of anybody in college football when he was under duress. Secondly, with Mark Whipple, I think you know what you're going to get in the passing game, but I don't know how much he's going to be willing to run the football. They did not run the football at Pitt a year ago. Not necessarily because they couldn't. They didn't even attempt to. 
So what type of balance can they give to that passing game, again, with an offensive line that I think uh, is going to be a group that's going to have to be uh, retooled? You know, guys, sometimes when you have a coaching staff and you just you just used to hearing their voices and their, you know, their little quirky ways and philosophies, then it, it, it gets mundane some, sometimes. And I think that bringing in Whipple is going to be a fresh voice. Um, he's going to tweak the offense. They, they have a lot of guys up front that I believe is going to be able to court to protect the quarterback, Casey Thompson, and they're going to be able to move the ball effectively. I think this is a really good change that Scott Frost has made, bringing in Whipple, and I expect the offense to be much more productive than they were a year ago and not turn the ball over like they did with Martinez because he was like a turnover machine for yep. Nebraska. All right, Daz, look, you answered this before, but I'm going to ask it again because as we see, things can change, all right? So the over-under for this team on <laughs> wins by Caesars, they say seven and a half. Uh, you take the over or the under? Under. I, I'm taking oh, Luke's taking is going to jump under? you. Go ahead. <laughs> Wait, all right, who's going? You got over. the under? Daz, you got I, the over? I already gave you my answer, so go ahead, Luke's. Luke's, what you got? <laughs> I said under. I'm going. I'm going. I think. I think seven and five is 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 reasonable. So that little hook that's hanging there, that gave me some leeway to go under. Yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you what, guys. Uh, Nebraska has had five consecutive seasons, been fewer than yeah five five straight seasons, Des, with fewer than eight wins, and that is their longest streak in more than sixty years. So, uh, as you can imagine, they are eager to see that uh, that improve, and if not, uh, you're likely to see a change at the head coaching position. All right, that takes care of Nebraska, but that is just the first of a number of teams we're going to look at as we do this over-under exercise. We'll give everybody a chance to uh, make their pick, even the rebuttal coming up. Uh, we'll tell you your best bets for cashing in as we look at some of these other teams in the Big Ten and their ultimate win totals, at least as we sit here in July. And with USC and UCLA joining the Big Ten, you'll hear from the commissioner. These guys are going to need some coats. We know that for sure. The Big Ten, or should I say the Big Ten Media Days in Indianapolis, the site of all college football chatter this afternoon, the first of two media days at Lucas Oil Stadium. And as you might imagine, all eyes on the defending champions, and there's a reason for that as we take a look at some of these storylines in the Big Ten. Last season, Michigan won its first Big Ten title since 04, snapping Ohio State's streak of four straight conference titles. This year, the Wolverines have the second-best odds of all teams, according to Caesars Sportsbook. Wisconsin is the favorite in the West. Schools begin play. Uh, under the current format, the Badgers have represented the West in four of the eight seasons. However, the West has yet to break through in the title game. They, of course, would love to see that change this time around. What you also need to remember is that the Big Ten is getting bigger. On June 30th, the Big Ten notified both USC and UCLA, California teams, that their application to join the Big Ten had been accepted. Schools will begin play in the conference in 2024. The question, of course, is that where this stops? Here's the commissioner. We are incredibly excited to welcome two new members in 2024 to the Big Ten Conference. The University of California at Los Angeles and the University of Southern California. To add those two type of teams that have storied history uh, is a win for the Big Ten. The first thing that came to my mind was L.A., are you kidding me? 
That's perfect. I mean, the Big Ten now is represented from the West Coast to the East Coast. You're going to wake up watching Big Ten football and go to bed, you know, watching Big Ten football. That move probably ensures that the Big Ten is going to be relevant and one of the players, no matter how college football ends up falling. As a young person born in the 60s, I remember those days that it was a happy day when my parents would bring us a Sears and Roebuck catalog to have us pick our birthday gifts out of. Sears and Roebuck is not in existence anymore. I don't want to be Sears and Roebuck, but I want to make decisions that when we look back 30 years from now, that people will say that the Big Ten Conference was ahead of the curve in making these decisions. Listen, I haven't heard a good Sears Roebuck reference in quite some time, which of course is dating me as it is all of us. Pete Thamel back with us. So too is Adam Rittenberg, who is in Indianapolis as well. And Adam, you heard what the commissioner had to say as well as some of these coaches about expansion. What stood out to you? Yeah, Wendy, Kevin Warren did not rule out future expansion, but said it had to be for the right reasons, obviously to benefit the Big Ten athletes. He also talked about in 2019 when he interviewed for the Big Ten commissioner job, studying a range of universities, including USC and UCLA, and saying that, you know, learning that the Big Ten has the most alumni outside the Midwest in the Los Angeles market. So the opportunity to add the, the three biggest markets, New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, have TV games in all four windows, really significant. And Kevin Warren, you know, projecting himself as a very forward thinker, looking ahead at expansion down the road even three years ago. Yeah, Adam, Kevin Warren used the word aggressive, and I think that's a good conference media day buzzword, whether it's a new defensive coordinator or a commissioner trying to make his mark for the league. But he also said he's only going to add programs that add value, and I think that's really important because in the moment right now, the only program that would add value to the Big Ten in terms of television dollars is Notre Dame, and the Irish appear for now to be content with their independence as they have been for about a century. So I think Kevin Warren struck a tone of what a modern commissioner should sound like today. Well, Pete, if aggressive is the buzzword at Media Day, so too is expansion. And we're not just talking about conference expansion. Uh, Warren also touched, off, pl touched on playoff expansion. Here's what he said. I'm excited. We have meetings coming up in September and October to be able to talk about these issues. I'm 100% supportive for college football playoff expansion. Um, you know, what is that right number? We'll figure it out. I'm confident we will get college football playoff expansion resolved. Pete, what's the feeling there about potential playoff expansion, regardless of what that ultimate number turns out to be? Yeah, Wendy, it was interesting. I spoke to Ohio State Athletic Director Gene Smith this morning. He brought up the possibility of conversations about a 16-team playoff. Now, again, we're at Big Ten media days. The Big Ten voted against expansion last year. They were for it in theory, didn't like the way that it was put together to be executed. Um, this is one of the first times that someone has brought up a 16-team playoff. Remember, it was a 12-team model that was shot down last year. And when it comes from Gene Smith, who's president, Christina Johnson is the head of the Big Ten presidents, that carries some weight in and I think 16 is now officially in the chat. It could be bigger is better. And one other thing that Kevin Warren brought up was the idea of the automatic qualifier. This was a big sticking point in the negotiations last year. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey is not a fan of the automatic qualifier for conference champions. So it would be interesting to see if Kevin Warren still digs in, feeling that the Big Ten champion and maybe other Power Five conference champions are worthy of an automatic spot in an expanded playoff. Gentlemen, thank you. I know this ultimately happens, likely, that we'll see some expansion, but I need a cheat sheet of who's for what and why and how and the number uh, because <laughs> there are so many different opinions, which, of course, is why 
it's taking the time that it is. Guys, thank you. I know you'll be back with us as we continue our coverage of Media Days in Indianapolis. Uh, right now, though, I turn back to Lugs and Dez. And, and, guys, we have to talk about it because we know UFC, UCLA will join the Big Ten. It could continue from there. Dez, uh, is that enough? Where, where does the Big Ten need to land when all this dust settles? I tell you what, Wendy, uh, very, very happy and very proud of uh, what Kevin Warren has, has done as the commissioner of the Big Ten to go out and get USC and UCLA. The Big Ten, as an, as an alum, I have to say the Big Ten has always been pretty much ahead of the curve as far as what the commissioners have, have been able to bring to the, the conference. Because we had Jim Delaney. And Jim Delaney was a forward thinker, too. I mean, he was a guy who had big vision, and he also understood media rights, TV revenue, and he started to, you know, help start the, the Big Ten Network. So now with Kevin Warren going out there and extending the footprint of the Big Ten, now from the Atlantic to the Pacific, and he didn't just go out west and just grab any two teams, like Kevin Warren said, I'm only interested in teams that's going to add value to the conference. So he went and plucked the two most valuable teams out west in USC and UCLA. So I'm a, you know, it, I was shocked when I first heard it. Kudos to Kevin Warren and his team because there were no leaks. No one had any idea this was coming until it smacked you in the face. But I think it's a really, really big move and a, a great move for the Big Ten as a conference. Des, I couldn't agree more, and I think the other thing that this did for the Big Ten is it put them in a position to sit back and be very, very choosy, all right, be very selective, because now they're in a position to say, okay, well, what value is a Notre Dame, all right, what value could a Stanford be? What type of value could we bring by adding some teams that maybe are really, really good in not just football and basketball, but their Olympic sports, and what type of natural rivalries maybe already exist that we could implement into this conference, but they don't have to necessarily be the aggressor now because of the USC and UCLA move. Listen, let's not kid anybody. This is about money. This is about making sure that when the music stops, all right, you're not left without a chair. And that's exactly how USC and UCLA saw this thing. You know what, guys? Unless you're just downright bitter, I think you'd be hard-pressed to argue this was anything but a job well done by yeah. the commissioner in the Big Ten because, you know, I, I think my favorite comment is you'll wake up with Big Ten football and you'll go to bed with Big Ten football. And, wow, uh, you know, that says something in terms of a conference and trying to stay ahead of the game. So uh, kudos to the commissioner and to the Big Ten. We'll continue to watch. Of course, there'll be more changes. Uh, there will also be some changes in win totals. The over, the under, the good, the bad, the ugly. We'll take our picks from College Football Live returns. And James Madison will be the new kids on the FBS block. You'll hear from their head coach as well as what's in store as they make the move up. Wendy, next back with Tom Lucanville and Desmond Howard, who doesn't love a little over-under. Again, Des, wink, wink, as we sit here in July. Uh, all of these numbers, though, gentlemen, brought to you by – gentlemen, I use that term loosely, but I'm going to let it fly today, okay? I'm feeling generous. Uh, brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. And we'll start with Michigan, the over-under set, Lugs at nine and a half. I'm going with the over. I, I really am. I look at the schedule. I see two tough road environments. You're at Iowa, at Ohio State. I think every other game there will be 
undefeated 4-0 going into that Iowa contest. Um, I see double-digit wins. Definitely over for me. Yeah, I agree with Lugs. I think, um, like we said earlier in the show, they're playing with a tremendous amount of confidence coming off of last season. Uh, the defense going to have to step up, obviously, but the offense with a lot of firepower. So I would have to take the over when it comes to the Wolverines. All right, to Happy Valley we go. Penn State, gentlemen, at eight and a half, Lugs. Ooh, it better be over. Um, I'll, go, I'll go over. Or it might be over. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'll go over, although I don't feel great about it. But I do think that they're going to be improved. They're going to be a better football team, and they had better be. They're 11 and 11 over the last two years. Yeah, I think it'll be over, too. At the September 17th on the road against Auburn, you know, that might be an L. But even if they lose that game, how do they bounce back? You know, what's their mentality moving on from that game? So I think it's still going to be over. I think uh, they, they have a strong team coming back, so I would say over. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add a category, over, under, or better be over. <laughs> That's what we'll say. Uh, as I say, Mich yeah, Michigan half. <laughs> uh, Michigan State, I mean, at, at seven and a half, Luke's. Uh, I'm going over, but I don't think this is going to be a double-digit win team like they were a year ago. I do love that they are the, the kings of the transfer portal in this conference. They're going to lose Kenneth Walker, but I think they're going to replace him with Jarek Broussard, the Colorado transfer, and not miss a beat in the run game. Uh, at Washington's a difficult place to play, obviously at Michigan, at Penn State. So I'm going over, just not double digits. You know what, I, I, this this may be a better be over because they just gave uh, Mel Tucker, the head coach of King's Ransom. And yeah. so he, he, he's going to, I think, maybe win at least nine games. I don't think, uh, what is it, seven and a half? I, I would say over for Sparty. I thought last year they were going to have a tremendous season, and they did. Now I want to see if they can back it up this season because, like you said, they struck gold last year with Kenneth Walker III in the transfer yeah. portal. All right, I want credit in Vegas for my new category, but until then, uh, we'll go with Wisconsin Lugs at nine. Oh, oh. Ooh. <laughs> wow. I'm going uh, uh, wow. to go under because I think the West is so wide open and they could just pluck each other off, and there are so many opportunities for Minnesota, for an Iowa. Um, you know, Purdue had a great year a year ago. They returned their quarterback. Listen, uh, the road schedule at Iowa, at Michigan State, at Ohio State, that's tough. Even at Nebraska, tough place to play. So I'm actually going to go under. Yeah. I'm glad you guys put that graphic up because I mentioned it earlier in the show that I thought that Wisconsin is going to have a tough road because of their road schedule. And even though, you know, they got to play on the road in Columbus, on the road in East Lansing, those teams are in the East, but still, they will beat you up and then make the rest of your road games that much more difficult. So I would say uh, under for the Wisconsin Badgers. That was so hard. All right. <laughs> I tell you yeah, what, tough. I'm not going to lie, we'll probably do it again, but that's where we stand right now. And again, all of those numbers brought to you by Caesar Sportsbook. All right, uh, listen, we're going to talk, I would say we're going to talk a little FBS, but we're not. We're going to talk, well, we are, because James Madison is headed to the FBS. They will join the Sun Belt Conference this year, and we'll hear from the head coach on what to expect from the Dukes, a.k.a. new kids on the block.
It's back together Saturday coming your way. Why you ask? Because all 32 NFL teams will be in camp on the same day. We are back together. You can see specials, our coverage on ESPN, ABC, 1 o'clock Eastern, as well as the ESPN app and the NFL Network. In the meantime, the Sun Belt's going to look like this. There's not one, but just about all conferences realigning, and they're going to get a new addition, and with good reason, as you take a look at where this settled out. Uh, after the FCS powerhouse, J James Madison won two national titles in 2016. They also or they won the national title, then they made two title game appearances since. So James Madison now begins what will likely be a two-year transition to the FBS after the season. They will join, as you just saw, the Sun Belt Conference no later than July 1st, 2023. A lot of good things to look forward to from the Dukes. Here's the head coach. Our spill was always, hey, there's five schools in America you can come to win national championship. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, North Dakota State, James Madison. Yeah. Well, now we got a new spill. This is a great conference. We have a lot of question marks on our team that will be answered in August. But we're process-oriented, so it's all about improving daily, giving your best effort, preparing as well as you can to give yourself the best chance on Saturday. And let's see what happens at the end of the year. All right, there we go. The James Madison Dukes, Middle Tennessee. Uh, they go to at Appalachia. De Desmond Howard knows where Appalachian State is. I know that for sure. Uh, the school that at one point, you know, I, I believe it was that Michigan team they beat that time. You can see their schedule rounding out. I, I believe you know where it is. I know, I know, Des. I know. Listen, they'll get a round out. I, I don't know what happened at Coastal Carolina, and that's no, that's no joke. As we know, that Shanty Clear is sort of the darlings these days. Uh, but listen, that's their schedule, and here's Pat Fitzgerald. Uh, on NIL and the changes there. I'm a little jealous of the guys right now. Uh, the mid-90s NIL, you know, it would have been a good deal for me. So, uh, but I'm doing fine and I have no complaints. So I'm all for whatever makes the experience of the guys better. We're going to do things at Northwestern, the Northwestern way. Uh, it's not about being first. It's about trying to strive to do what's best and doing it the right way. And uh, I have full confidence that uh, our guys will be, uh, you know, taking care of the right way uh, in the ways that we think fit our institution, our values. You know what, guys? We used to say name, image, likeness. Now NIL just sort of rolls off the tongue as part of our vernacular. Uh, it, it just, it's becoming the way things are. Des, I can only imagine how this would have changed things for you. Any, any particular, oh. I don't know if it would be pizza, pizza. I don't know. It got to be more than pizza. What would it have, NIL have done for you? Pizza? What the hell? Pizza? I, listen, I don't even know if you can really quantify what NIL would have meant for me back in when I was in Michigan and I did that high, that, that, that pose. I struck that pose. Are you kidding me? Do you understand the, the amount of I need to come up with, I need to find someone who can come up with an algorithm that can tell people how much money I would have made back in 1991 when I won the Heisman and did that pose. I mean, the number has to be astronomical, Wendy. You don't need an you algorithm. It goes what like this, hell? a blank ton of money, okay? I'm not going to fill in the blank. You don't need an algorithm. A blank ton of money, Luke, is De what Des would have made after all that. Des, she hits you with App State and then offers you a pizza. I mean, what, 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 what are we doing here, man? Awful. Diamond, you the Diamond you District. Awful. 
Imagine what you would have been able to do to capitalize on the pose. Now think about that. Just the pose itself in the end zone. Imagine what you would have exactly. been able to do financially with Just that. Just the pose. Maybe some yeah. toppings on a yeah. pizza. Listen. Maybe. What can you do? What can you do? Things working out for you all right, Des. I'm not crying for you. Even though you didn't get your blank ton of money. Okay, listen. Here, take, a, take a look at the Big Ten Media Day schedule for tomorrow. Again, Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Today and tomorrow, you'll see some notable names there, including those Buckeyes from Ohio State, which, again, 80% chance, according to ESPN FBI, to win the Big Ten. Uh, maybe so, Lukes, but that's why they play the games. Who poses the biggest threat? Who will offer the biggest competition for Ohio State in this conference? I think on a, on a talent basis, it's Michigan right now. I think they got probably the roster that is – Probably the most equitable, if you will, if there is one to Ohio State. So I'll say Michigan. Yeah, I would agree with Lou's with Michigan, but I would say don't sleep on Sparty. Sparty got spanked really bad in Columbus a year ago. Don't forget, that game was over by halftime, but this time yep. Sparty gets to play host to the Buckeyes. So I think some revenge is going to be um, on the table for Mel Tucker and, uh, and, and Michigan State. So I think that just watch the green and white when they got to play Ohio State. All right, if I, if I say to you, Lukes, the green and white will be successful against Ohio State if they what? Just a quick off-the-top answer, what, what is it? If Ohio State turns the ball over a lot. There you go. <laughs> Always more play. What's the answer? That's a good answer. More That's players, a good answer. More <laughs> moment. Mistakes from me. the other team. It is a good answer. Let's have a look at some of that free pizza desert and free everything else after he... Got his big NIL deal. We'll be back tomorrow, everybody, at 1.30. We'll talk to you. We'll see you then. Have a great day. <laughs>